For more than 2,400 years, Jews have lived as mostly as minorities in the diaspora, which means outside the land of Israel, outside of our land. Exactly where the land of Israel is, that's going to be our topic next week. We're going to go through the exact geographic areas, what counts as the land of Israel, what does not. It's not so simple, it's very complex, but we'll see that next week. So, but we've been living mostly outside the land of Israel as a minority in other lands. So as a minority, our loyalty has always been questioned. Are we loyal to the to Jews, to the Jewish people, or are we loyal to the country that we live in? Where do our first and primary loyalties lie? Um, and this charge of dual loyalty that Jews are somehow not loyal to their country is one that has often been made by our enemies, um, by those that dislike us. They've charged that we can't be trusted because we don't have our country's best interest in mind because we have other loyalties. We have competing loyalties. Um, So um, as Jews, where in fact do our loyalties lie? How do we even identify ourselves? Um, Here we're a Jewish minority living here in the United States. Are we Jews first? Or are we Americans first? <laughs> Good question. <clears throat> so to answer this question, we're going to take a quick look at um, almost two and a half thousand years of our history in exile. So firstly, for the first 800 years of Judaism, and Judaism we generally date back to when Israel left Egypt um, and entered the Promised Land, which is a little over 3,300 years ago. So for the first 800 years, we were plus... We were mostly independent in our own land. So we lived in our land, in the land of Israel. We were mostly independent. Um, At different times, there were other nations that attacked us, that maybe even ruled over parts of Israel for different periods. But generally, we were independent in our land. Um, We had our own kingdom, led by the house of David. Um, At a certain point, for about 200 years, the kingdom split into two, where there was a northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, and there was a southern kingdom, the kingdom of um, Judah or Judea. Um, So we were still always a single people. Um, We were loyal to each other, to our nation, to the Jewish people, living in our own land. In fact, um, Jews between the two kingdoms um, did not want to fight each other. And although there were some civil wars in our history, generally we avoided civil war because how could a Jew harm another Jew? So we were always loyal to our people. Um, The first time we went to exile were when Jews from the northern kingdom were taken to exile by the Assyrian armies. Um, And this goes back. Uh, This goes back about 25, 2600 years ago. Um, The Assyrians took the northern, exiled much of the northern kingdom. Um, Their armies fell at the gates of Jerusalem in a miraculous event um, described in detail in our scriptures. So um, the the Jews that went to exile, exactly where they went, we're not certain. There's some debate as to exactly what happened to them. Did they come back and mix into the rest of the Jewish people? Did they remain in exile and assimilate? It's not clear. Um, We did a class some time ago about the ten lost tribes. Um, But about uh, later, um, about 432 BCE, um, so this is more than 2,400 years ago, the first Israel was captured at the time by Babylonia, by the Babylonian Empire, which was an empire that that, um, that 
controlled much of the Middle East. And Israel was captured by the Babylonian Empire and a large group of Jews, including the king, um, Yehoiachin, as well as um, most of the nobles and military leaders and scholars were taken to exile to Babylonia. They were taken to Babylon. And so 11 years later, um, Israel, uh, the, uh, Israel uh, was, um, was again attacked by the Babylonians. This time um, they besieged the temple, the Jerusalem, and they destroyed the city of Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, the first temple that is, and um, took most of the Jews in Israel um, to exile in Babylonia where they were forced into exile. Before being taken into exile, the prophet Jeremiah warns the people and he tells them, Dirshu et shlom ha'ir, asher higleti et chem shama, v'itpalalu ba'ada el Hashem, ki b'shlomo yiyeh lachem shalom. Seek out the welfare of the city where I exile you, pray for it to God, for with its peace will be your peace. So we're supposed to seek out the welfare of the place that we go to. Remember, this is Babylon, the people who destroyed our temple, who took us into exile, who killed so many Jews during this war, who were so vicious. When we end up in Babylonia, we are supposed to seek out their welfare and pray for them. That's what Jeremiah told us. And indeed, the belief that the welfare and the good of our host country, wherever we may live, um, would be good for us, um, has guided our people in exile. And that's always generally been our policy, that wherever we are, we seek out the welfare of that city, that country that we live in. And um, we always um, look for the good of the host country that is hosting us um, throughout our exile. And indeed, in Babylon, although Israel had been taken to Babylon um, in chains, forced to go to Babylon, um, as they had been exiled there after many, many Jews were killed and our temple destroyed. And you can imagine we didn't have um, a very good opinion of the Babylonians after that. Nevertheless, Jews settled in Babylon, as Jeremiah had told them. They bought land there. They farmed. And with time, they became extremely successful in Babylon, um, eventually creating an autonomous Jewish state in Babylon. Um, many Jews, such as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who we spoke about last week, rose to very important, prominent positions in the Babylonian government. Later, when the Babylonian Empire fell to the Persian and Mede armies, um, and they took over the kingdom, we find again, Jews are loyal and part of the um, Persian Empire. Um, in fact, many Jews rise to great pom- prominence in the Persian Empire, including, of course, from the story of Purim, Mordechai, and Esther. Um, and uh, later, in the, we're told Nehemiah is a governor um, for, the, um, for the Persians. And so and it appears many other Jews held very important positions um, within the Persian Empire. We found... Um, Archaeological evidence showing Jews holding important positions uh, throughout the Persian Empire. So um, we, at no point, so we were loyal to this to the countries, whether the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire that controlled us, um, and uh, we sought out their welfare and even worked for them, rising to important positions within the government. Um, and at no point did we ever attempt to rebel against the Babylonians or against the Persians. 
In fact, in the book Song of Songs, Shir Hashirim, we're told, it says, Hishpati etchem benot Yerushalayim, betzvaoto bilanot hasadeh, ta'iru v'im ta'oruru et ha'ava, ad she'techpatz. I have made you swear, daughter of Jerusalem, you will not awaken or arouse the love until God so desires. And the Talmud tells us that what that means is that God made us swear prior to going to exile that we would firstly not force our way back to Israel without permission, that we will not forcibly attempt to take Israel. We also will not rebel against our host nations. So we are under very strict instructions before we went to our first exile from our prophets that when we go to exile, not to attempt to return to Israel by force and not to, um, and not to rebel against the nations where we live. And we've largely kept that. We have remained loyal to the host countries um, wherever we've lived. Um, we only returned to Israel in the days of the Persian Empire to rebuild the temple, the second temple it is now, um, after we were given permission to do so by King Cyrus. It was, Israel was still, Judea was a province in the Persian Empire. Jews were given permission to move back to Judea, and Jews were given permission by King Cyrus to rebuild the temple. That permission was later rescinded after King Cyrus was killed. And um, later, there was a very long process. Eventually, they did succeed in building the second temple. Um, but even then, although many Jews were once again majority in Judea, and Jews, um, we had our own temple again, and Jerusalem was rebuilt, uh, we were still under Persian rule. Um, and not only did we not rebel against these countries, we also, wherever we lived, we also kept the laws of the countries wherever we lived. The Talmud tells us that the Torah requires us to keep the laws of the land. The Aramaic term for that is dina de malchuta dina. The law of the land is the law. So whatever the laws of the land, we are, the, uh, our Torah ethics, our Torah laws require us to keep the laws of the land so long as they are fair and they do not contradict the Torah. If they are unfair, uh, then we don't have to keep unfair laws. And if they do contradict the Torah, then we definitely should not keep them. Um, unfortunately, we've been in many situations where they were both unfair and contradicted Torah, and we had to break the laws of the land. But other than that, in, a, um, in fair laws um, and that do not contradict Torah, we do have to keep. And this is based now, why do we have to keep them? So this is based on the basic belief that every country has the right to create its own laws so long as they are fair. And every country has the right to um, make laws as they see fit. And citizens have an ethical responsibility to keep the laws of the land. So long as the laws are fair and just, citizens have an ethical responsibility to keep those laws. And so therefore, as Jews, um, wherever we've lived, we've always kept the laws of our government, except when they were anti-Jewish or anti-Judaism, um, we generally always kept the laws of the land and were always loyal and never attempted to rebel um, or seek independence in any way or overthrow the government. Um, we never attempted in any way. And so we were, during the Second Temple period, we were under the Persian Empire, um, which was defeated by the... Um, eventually the Persian Empire was defeated by the Greeks, um, 
And uh, after which the Jews of Israel, the Jews of Mesopotamia, um, and um, much of the rest of the world fell under Greek rule. And we're told that as soon as Alexander, in um, our traditions, that as soon as Alexander conquered Israel, that um, Jews went out to greet him and accepted his reign over Israel. Now he was the new empire, he was the new king, and uh, the Greeks were welcomed um, as our new leaders. Um, and at no point did we attempt to, um, did we attempt to um, try to uh, become independent or fight that whatsoever. Um, later, the Greek Empire split up into bits and pieces. Um, at first, Israel was under the Egyptian Ptolemies, uh, we where Jews were generally treated well, and they, um, Israel never attempted to rebel. Only later, Israel was captured by Syria, which was also Greek at the time. And uh, it was only after the Syrian Greek Emperor Antiochus outlawed Judaism and attempted to forcibly Hellenize Jews did the Jews actually rise up for the first time and rebel, um, led by the Maccabees, and that was because um, Jews were being killed and Jews were not allowed to keep Judaism. And this led, as we mentioned earlier, to about 100 years of Jewish independence. until um, the Ro And this led for about 100 years until uh, going back to that civil war between two, um, two Hasmonean um, claims to the throne. Uh, one was, was Hyrcanus and Aristobulus. And uh, they actually, as part of that civil war that we mentioned, they actually invited the Roman and general Pompey to Israel to help um, resolve their dispute. And Pompey came in and um, captured Israel and claimed it for Rome, and that ended Jewish independence. Um, now, Israel remained under Roman rule for well over 100 years, and Jews did not rebel. Now, unlike Jews under Greek rule, with the exception of those few years under, Anti under, uh, under Antiochus, and unlike Jews under Persian and Babylonian rule, the Romans were very anti-Semitic and um, were, um, treated the Jews very badly, imposing firstly very, very high taxes, um, they many times they sacked the temple. In other words, they would go to the temple and take out all the treasures, all the finances from the temple. They also would publicly humiliate Jews. Um, they would get sport from that. Um, they also often killed Jews, sometimes randomly, sometimes for perceived infractions. Um, they even went as far as placing idols in the temple. So the Romans did not treat the Jews very well. And um, after years of persecution, um, and it wasn't any specific event, but it was gradual persecution that gradually got worse and worse and worse. Um, the Jews eventually did rebel. And this is in the year 66, with devastating con consequences. The first time they rebelled, um, Jerusalem, the Romans came back and um, recaptured Israel and uh, destroyed Jerusalem, captured Jerusalem, destroyed Jerusalem, and destroyed the Second Temple. Um, and killed many, many, many Jews. Um, as many as a million Jews were killed in this great war with the Romans. Um, and um, now Jews were once again under Roman rule, only they had lost out as a result of the war. Some 70 or 60 years later, um, again, Roman persecution increased. Um, the Roman Emperor Hadrian attempted, as um, Antiochus had done years earlier, to outlaw parts of Judaism, um, he um, re rebuilt Jerusalem as a Roman city and um, attempted to outlaw uh, parts of Judaism to crush the Jewish spirit. 
And uh, again, the Jewish people re, uh, rebelled, this time led by a fellow called Shimon Bar Kuziba. We're going to do a, we'll talk about him in three weeks when we do our Tishma class. And um, uh, again, the Romans crushed this rebellion, this time even more viciously than the first time. Um, and uh, many, many Jews were killed, and much of Israel was destroyed in the second war again. So we did rebel against the Romans when really pressured to. In hindsight, both of those rebellions were very, very big mistakes. We should not have. Um, and indeed, our sages in the Roman Empire counseled that we should pray for the welfare of the government. Um, in fact, we know that the scholar of Hanina Skan HaKohanim, who's quoted in Pirkei Avot and Ethics of Our Fathers, as telling us to pray for the Roman government, uh, was later himself actually killed by the Romans. And although the Romans mistreated us, um, throughout much of the Roman, the time of the period of the Roman Empire, um, we continued to be loyal to the Roman Empire and continued to be loyal to our, um, to our host country um, because God wants us to be loyal to the host countries wherever we are, even when they, even when they persecute us. And uh, those two rebellions, as a response to persecution, were clearly both mistakes. They didn't end up too well. So... Since Roman times, we've lived in many, many different countries under many different nations and governments. We've lived under um, Persian, a Parthian rule. We've lived under Arab rule. We've lived under rule, uh, Christian rule in Christian Europe. Um, many Jews lived more recently in the Russian Empire. Some places have treated us well. Most places where we lived in the last 2,000 years did not treat us well. Um, in almost all, we were second-class citizens. Um, in almost all of these places, often there were pogroms, persecution, uh, sometimes forced conversions. They tried to force us to convert outside of our religion. Um, sometimes they forced us to break Jewish laws. We generally kept the basic laws of the land wherever we were. Despite being treated as second-class citizens, we generally kept the laws of the land, did not generally attempt to rebel. Um, we often either fought the anti-Jewish laws, sometimes we ignored them, sometimes we negotiated. Um, Jews had a, our knack has always been to negotiate. That's what we were best at. We just had, seemed to be able to do that better than fighting. And so um, we tended, we, we even have a Yiddish word for it, a shtadlan is the person whose role it is to negotiate with the forces that be or the people in power um, on behalf of our people to help ease our lot. Um, and we always had in every Jewish community people that did exactly that, um, Jews that were able to negotiate on our people's behalf. Um, but we always, um, so while we tried to work with the second-class status that we had and tried to overcome the persecution, um, we always generally remained loyal to our host countries. Uh, when there was a war between countries, between our country and another country, and there often was um, throughout history, right? History is full of nonstop wars almost. Um, we were always accused of disloyalty. They always blamed us for... Um, they always, taught, they always believed that we were a fifth column and that we were siding with the enemy. Both sides, by the way. Whenever there was a war, both sides always blamed us for being with the other side. And um, even so, 
um, with almost without exception, we worked for our own country to win. Um, and that's because um, our belief in Judaism was that we should be loyal to our country, even a country that persecutes us, even a country that is um, harmful to us, uh, treats us as second-class citizens. We still never worked to rebel. We still always remained loyal to our countries. Um, there were some notable exceptions, I should point out, um, for particularly horrible tyrants, as we mentioned earlier, when we rebelled against the Greeks in the days of, uh, of um, uh, in the days of the Maccabees. Um, later, we also um, we, we didn't side with the Tsars in some of their wars. At least many Jews didn't, um, because the Jews were treated horribly in the Russian Empire. Um, Jews, of course, did not side with the Nazis. Um, be well because they were persecuted by the Nazis to the point that very few remained. I mean, they were the enemies uh, for the Nazis. So, of course, we didn't side with them either. Um, but generally, Jews did um, fight, uh, side with their host country and in a war and were loyal to their country. Now, until the late 19th century, support for our countries, wherever we were, and this was all over the world, was almost always financial or material support. Jews were never, and we were always very good financiers, um, and we tended to finance a lot of wars um, for, our, for our host countries usually. Um, but Jews were never included in militaries um, because Jews were second-class citizens. So they never let us or wanted us to fight with them. They didn't trust us. It wasn't until the late 19th century that Jews were gradually given emancipation um, first in Western Europe and then other parts of Europe. Um, here in the United States, we were equal citizens from the beginning. Jews did fight in wars from the beginning, from the very beginning of this country. But we were very few in number in this country until the late 19th century. Um, but in Europe, we were gradually given emancipation, which allowed us to fight for our countries for the first time, and which led to a phenomenon where in many wars, such as in World War I, there were Jews, many Jews, fighting on both sides. Um, they were fighting for their country, knowing that there were Jews um, fighting on the other side as well. Um, now, uh, but we still we fought for our countries, and we were loyal to our countries. Um, in the second half of the of the 19th century, Europe reorganized around this new concept called nationalism. And the idea was, until then, states were basically controlled by a king, whoever they may have been. Um, or by some other form of leadership. Um, but there was this new idea that states should be revolve around a nation, that, and every nation should be an independent state. And um, nationalism swept across Europe um, in the second half of the 19th century, um, creating countries such as Germany and Italy. And so many Jews were swept up with this new concept of nationalism. People suddenly had pride in their identity, um, in their national identity. Germans, Italians, French, American. and so Americans, oh, we weren't very nationalistic here. Um, so, so for Jews who were part of, who were in these countries, and had lived in these countries, by the way, for many, many, many years, as long as, generally as long as all the other people in these countries had lived there. Um, Jews got there at the same time as everybody else. Uh, we came to Germany the same time the Germans got there, at least at the same time the Germans settled into towns there, um, came out of the forests and became um, 
and uh, became civilized. Uh, we were there about the same time, if not earlier, um, same as most of these other places. Um, so Jews, um, many Jews who were already partly assimilated due to the emancipation that had um, led to assimilation for many Jews, um, led Jews to also be joined this national mo- these national movements. And many Jews felt very strongly German, French, Italian, British, or any other um, na- any other nation that they may have been part of. Now, this was some somewhat of a change because until this point, um, Jews had always been considered a distinct people. In fact, in many countries. Um, in their identification cards or passports that they had prior, uh, that they had, they would actually write the nationality. In addition to the citizenship, they would also put your nationality in as well, especially in multinational states such as the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. And Jews were considered their own nationality because we were our own nation and we were always considered our own people. Um, we were considered a distinct people But these Jews living in Europe were um, highly patriotic for their home countries and did not consider themselves Jewish as a nationality. (coughs) They rather considered themselves Germans, French, Italians, uh, Hungarian, with Judaism as their religion, saying, well, you could have Christian Germans and you could have have Catholic Germans, Protestant Germans, and Jewish Germans. Um, You could have, same thing, French and uh, Hungarian or any other nationality that maybe. And so for many Jews, they were first, many, especially the more assimilated Jews, they first, their first uh, identity was that of their country. And then Judaism was just their religion. It was kind of a side thing. Um, this is especially for Jews that were very assimilated. Um, and so in the 1880s, there was one very decorated French soldier, um, a general called Alfred Dreyfus, right? And he was accused of treason based on a note that had been found um, in a wastebasket. Um, And the reason why he was accused of all people was on the assumption that as a Jew, he was probably disloyal. Now, many Jews, French Jews, but not only French Jews, Jews from all over Europe were shocked by these accusations. Um, How can a French Jew, who was French first and just of Jewish religion, um, how can they be accused of being disloyal just because of their religion? Um, of course, the French, many French at least, didn't see it that way, um, saw Jews as primary being, primarily being Jewish and French as, um, and therefore not loyal to France. And there were, in fact, big demonstrations um, and riots um, calling for the removal of all Jews from positions of power in France. Um, and similar um, uh, and similar calls in other countries in Europe, um, claiming that Jews were not European at all. We were a different people, a different nation. And this led um, Jews. Many Jews were shocked by these accusations because they had always thought themselves, um, always at least for the last couple of decades before that, they had thought of themselves as Germans, French, Italians of Mosaic faith, of Jewish faith. Um, so. It became clear that despite Jewish patriotism, Jews were still considered outsiders by the others, by the majority. Um, We were still not considered one of them. And at this point, there was an Austrian Jew, a very assimilated Austrian Jew called Theodor Herzl, who realized that Jews could never really be German or French or Italian or English. 
um, Jews are always going to remain Jewish. And so the only solution then is to create a Jewish national homeland and Judaism will then be a nationality, getting old Jews to move back, being Jewish, sorry, will be a nationality, getting old Jews to move back to this um, homeland. Um, This actually, this Jewish state did come into being um, in nine, some years later in 1948. However, um, Though Theodor Herzl assumed that as soon as the Jewish state comes into being, all Jews would flee persecution and run to the Jewish state, it didn't happen for whatever reason. And the majority (coughs) of Jews remain outside of Israel. So for Jews in Israel, they no longer have this loyalty challenge. Where do their first loyalties lie? But for Jews outside of Israel, now that Jews are not only a people, but we have our own country, the challenge has in a sense become stronger. Right? And this is especially true um, in more recent years as um, Jews in the diaspora have built a personal connection with Israel. Um, most Jews or many Jews have visited Israel, learned about it. Um, Jewish schools, synagogues speak about Israel. Um, Jews feel a kinship to the land of Israel. Uh, many Jews have friends and family living there. And so anti-Semites have renewed the um, old claim that Jews have dual loyalty and accused Jews of dual loyalty to Israel. Um, Now, in Arab and Muslim lands, from 1948 and on, Jews have been arrested, killed, and expelled under the assumption that by their virtue of being Jewish, they had some sort of loyalty to Israel, or they had some sort of connection to Israel. And even in the United States, Jews in government or power have been accused, and are still accused, of working for Israel and having Israel's interests ahead of those of the United States. Um, and so thankfully for us living in the United States and other Western countries where we're considered free and equal citizens, um, the issue is really a problem since our interests and Israel's interests mostly align. We almost never have to choose between where our interests where our loyalties lie. But the question could still be asked, where indeed do our true loyalties lie? Right? Where is the Jewish loyalty? So it should be clear that the number one Jewish loyalty is to God. Our number one loyalty is to God and to what he expects of us. And um, we believe, for that matter, that blind patriotism by anyone is a bad thing. Nobody should ever put their country above all else. If you're German in Nazi Germany and you put your country above all else, that doesn't give you the right to do what your government is telling you to do. You're still guilty for any ethical, um, unethical things that you do. Um, that's in any place that you might be. You don't have the right to put your country before all other ethics. And nobody should. We don't believe anybody should be putting their country before anything else. Um, While patriotism is a good thing, um, blind patriotism is bad. Nobody should ever put their country ahead of their values and their ethics. We have to be prepared to say no to our country if they're doing the wrong thing. If your country is doing the wrong thing, doing something unethical, you have to be prepared to say no. We're lucky to live in a country where there's even protections for people who do that, for whistleblowers or for the like, for people who take an unethical stance against their country. Thankfully, it's almost never necessary in this country. Um, but in general, even if you, if you live in a country that is has bad leadership, um, that doesn't absolve you from 
ethical responsibility. You cannot blindly follow. Nobody should blindly follow their government or their country. Um, there are eternal ethics or um, that are beyond, that we believe are God-given, that are more important than patriotism. And so our first loyalty is to God. And we do first and foremost the right thing. Now, we identify, our first identity is as a Jew. And that should be important. It always has been throughout our history. And there's no reason why that should change. Our number one first identity is, a, is as a Jew. Um, we are a member of God's chosen people. Um, and that's our first and foremost identity. That's who we are. Um, I think... I don't know if it's true, but they say that um, when Golda Meir was begging Henry Kissinger for weapons during the Yom Kippur War, um, and she asked him to, um, as a Jew, that he should um, try to help. Eventually, President Nixon went around him and um, did send weapons to Israel um, over Kissinger's objections. Um, but when, uh, so uh, Kissinger responded, my first loyalty lies with the United States and so she said well in Israel we read backwards we read from right to left right? that's what they say um, so first and foremost our identity is as a Jew um, and our values stand above everything else values are always trump patriotism and always should for everybody Jew or not uh, values should trump patriotism um, our identity as, a, as, a Jew, as Jews, as the Jewish people, is over 3,000 years old. It transcends place. We have been Jews everywhere, wherever we have lived. It transcends time. It's lasted for over 3,000 years. So as Jews, we care deeply for fellow Jews and for their interests and for their welfare. We care deeply about the welfare of our fellow Jews. Um, we care about all people, but uh, it's okay. We believe there's nothing wrong with taking, having particular care to people closer to you. There's nothing wrong to having greater care, say, to one's family over other people, over strangers. That's ethically a good thing. Um, and for that matter, it's okay to have greater care for one's nation over others. And it's okay for Jews to care for fellow Jews more than they would for other people. Yet we should care for everyone. Um, and so, yet at the same time, we are required by our laws, by the laws of the Torah, to follow the laws of the land. And we believe that we're ethically responsible to follow the laws of the land um, because every country, as we said earlier, has the right to create their own laws so long as they're fair and ethical. And so, so long as our laws are fair and they don't contradict our Torah, we can, we must and should follow the laws and be um, and uh, be uh, faithful to the laws of the land, um, not breaking any laws. We also should have a responsibility towards our country. Um, as citizens of this country, we have, a we have a responsibility, and therefore we are required, as Jeremiah originally told the people, to be loyal, patriotic to the country, seek out the welfare of our country. Throughout history, Jews have always had a special prayer for, that we did in the synagogue for our country. Um, and this, is, this was true in general, even in the Roman Empire and places that did not treat us very well. This is especially true in a country that has given us haven and uh, treated us better than almost any country in our history. So the country that we live in right now, the United States, has given us freedom, equality, um, and given us better treatment as a people or treated us 
the same as everybody else, which is something we experienced almost nowhere else in our history. So we definitely should um, feel loyalty to this country and patriotism. And thankfully, this country is built on good values that by and large conform with our own Jewish values. So we almost never will reach a point in the, or have reached a point that we had to say, well, the values, the laws go against our values. That's extreme. I wouldn't say it never happens. It's extremely rare in this country. So we do, our loyalties do lie in this country, uh, to this country, although our ethics and our values stand first and our identity as a Jew stands first. Um, we as American citizens do not have any loyalty to the Israeli government whatsoever. We're not Israeli citizens, at least I'm not. Some people here may be. I am not. Um, I, am an, I am a dual citizen, but my other citizenship lies with Australia. Um, so, but we don't have any. Lo- we don't have any loyalty to the Israeli government, although we do care about the Jewish people and um, the Jews in Israel and around the world. And we should care about them as well as feel a kinship to the land of Israel, which is our land. Um, and so we should care about the interests of other Jews. And it's okay. We live in a country where it's okay to advocate ad- advocate for our interests, whatever they may be. As a Jew, our interests may be, as Jewish citizens in the United States, our interests are to protect Jews around the world, wherever they may be, including in the land of Israel. And um, we have the freedom in this country, and are lucky to have the freedom to be able to advocate for and lobby our government to help protect Jews in the land of Israel, and we should. Um, And we're lucky to live in a country where we have that opportunity to do so. Um, And thankfully, um, those interests will not contradict the needs of this country because we live in an ethical and good country and um, where our our interests are aligned with that of Jews in other countries, by and large. Um, And so, therefore, in summary... um, it's both are true. Our first loyalty lies to God, and our first identity is at, is as a Jew. Yet we are required to keep the laws of the land that are ethical, and we are patriotic and love this great country, and um, hoping that this country lives up to its ideals and uh, work to make this country an even better place. Yes. How about what we've seen over the past week? Where Donald Trump is acting like a crazy person. Let's not but, involve. Wait. Let, but, but no, no, I'm not going to wait. No, I'm going to. Sorry. I try to keep my class politics free, um, so we're going to keep it totally politics free. Um, just to conclude, 